Hey friend, Graham Baldwin here with The Speaker Lab. Hey, wouldn't it be nice if someone gave you the exact process to find and book more speaking gigs in 2024? That'd be nice, right? Well, I'll tell you what, we're just gonna do that for you. We've created a new 18-page guide based on Dan Irvin's process that helped him actually book over $100,000 in speaking gigs in the past year. Now, Dan is one of our uh, team members here. He's this, a very successful speaker and also one of our coaches. And so you're gonna learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, proposal emails, and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps. Again, that's plural, thespeakerlab.com slash steps. We're going to send you that PDF guide right to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps. That's it. That's all you got to do. Go there. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, friends? Grant Bolden here. So glad to have you here with us today for episode 399 of the Speaker Lab podcast. Yes, that's right. We are a week away from episode 400. We got something planned uh, that I think you're really going to enjoy next week. So make sure you stick around for that. Today, I'm joined by Trip Crosby, who has a, a really unique journey to share about becoming a full-time host, speaker, and content creator. Now, believe it or not, what started with some comedy sketches on YouTube that you've probably actually seen before, eventually opened up opportunities for Trip and his team to collaborate with some really big brands. And so before long, Trip and his co-host Tyler were receiving regular requests to take the stage and create viral content. And so even though this business has continued to roll on, it wasn't until just recently that Trip decided to take the leap and leave behind the video content gig to really focus on his passion for being an MC. Now, Tripp is the first to admit that marketing and advertising is not his favorite piece of the business, but he also explains why it's different in this season of his career and how he's found a renewed energy in this corner of the industry. Above all else, Tripp is confident, curious, and determined to do what he loves while not losing sight of those he loves the most. His authenticity is refreshing and will challenge the mindset of speakers new and old. I know that you're really going to love this episode, so uh, let's get right to it. Here's my conversation with Tripp Crosby. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, friends? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Good to have you here with us today. Today, we're chatting with uh, Trip Crosby. I'm interested to talk with Trip here. We, we were just kind of catching up here. We have a lot of mutual friends and uh, have kind of followed each other online for many years, but haven't actually connected until now. And so I've been watching him from afar, and uh, he's always kind of, from my perception, kind of dabbled in speaking and done different forms of, of speaking and kind of entertainment. And it uh, seems like just recently he's wanted to start doubling down on this. I was like, okay, I need to figure out like what, what's going on here and, and I kind of understand that the thought process here. And so we're going to dig into that a little bit today. And specifically, uh, I know Trip, I think you're wanting to do more in the uh, MCing space and you've got a lot of experience doing that. So we'll spend some time uh, digging into that as well. So uh, thanks for hanging out with us for a few minutes today. I'm very happy to be here, Grant. Good man. I like talking. <laughs> as uh, as we all do, uh, right. especially in in the in the speaking space. So uh, let's start by why don't you give us a little background context? I know again you you've kind of dabbled with some speaking, dabbled with some MC mm -hmm. stuff. You've done a lot of uh, you know entertaining performance type stuff. And again, as I look in, you've had kind of a wide ranging career. Yeah. Um, so kind of give us the you can uh, just say it. It's confusing and hard to understand. I don't know if it's confusing. It's just you know you seem like you've got a lot of interest, which there's nothing wrong with. Uh, so. Kind of talk us through a 30,000 foot view of what the, the past several years of, of your world has looked like. Um, well, most people who, who know of me know of me because of YouTube, because my career started making comedy YouTube sketches, which is wonderful. But I, if I had known that was an option, I would have just skipped college 
but I didn't. And uh, I started a little video production company right out of school and got really bored with client work. So my friends and I started making comedy sketches on the weekends and it blew up and we got into YouTube at a really good time and were able to build an audience really quickly. And being successful, pretty clean sketch comedians made us very interesting um, to for brands to reach out and collaborate with us. So we started pretty soon in our career working with some pretty big brands. And that over time developed into us building more like a video agency type of business and where we were making funny videos for brands for whatever reason they needed them. And then with that came a lot of uh, requests to come to events. And normally at first we, it was me and Tyler together and Tyler's my YouTube comedy partner. Um, and we would do, uh, we would work at events as hosts, as comedic hosts. And we'd bring all the, the jokes and the fun and we'd make videos for the event. And so without really meaning to, I got a lot of stage time and in some pretty big spaces with like thousands of attendees. And um, that one thing just kind of led to another. And before I knew it, I was getting regular invitations to come host events. And so I thought, well, this is fun. Maybe I'll be an event host. Mm -hmm. And I sort of did it whenever I was asked to. And I built some relationships with some bureaus and you could, you could find out that, that it's something I did on my website, but it wasn't really until this year of my life that I've decided to actually double down on this part of my career instead of just allowing it to be something ancillary that I passively take as, yeah. as it comes. Yeah. What, what changed for you this year? Cause it, again, it seems like, seems like, and then you kind of alluded to like, you've, you've done this for a while. Yeah. And like you've had success with it again, outside looking at it, it seems like yeah. you do a good job with this. So why is it taking this long to kind of have the epiphany of, yeah, I think, I think I could and should be doing this. That's a great question. There's a few reasons. One of them is I just got kind of burnt out doing video work for clients and, and being the guy running a small business. I, I love my team and I love making video content. I'm pretty good at it. There's something that happens every time that company grows that I don't like. And I think it's the fact that I go from being a creator to a businessman, which is not really what I want to do. And I realized at the end of last year that, I mean, frankly speaking, financially, it made more sense for me to double down on this part of my career. So when I realized that, you know, I like doing a few video projects a year, but I don't like hustling to try and get a lot of video projects so that I can build a bigger team so that I can get even more video projects so that I can grow some agency when I'm realized that's not what I want to do. And it's actually more lucrative to be a speaker. I realized that this is what I want to double down on. And the more I've delved in, the more I realized I was right because I'm starting to find all kinds of energy inside of myself that I didn't know I had because I didn't know I was allowed to do this uh, because it wasn't the thing I started out doing. Right. Um, I, I feel the pressure that most people out there, they want me to make fun of YouTube videos. So I try to figure out a way to do that, but it's not really what I want to do. 
And so just to be devil's advocate though, like in the, if you're running a video production agency, mm -hmm. you know, you've got two sides of the equation. One is finding and booking clients and gigs. Yep. And the other side is yep. like creating the videos and doing the art. And the same yep. thing is true for being a speaker though. You know, like, like there is the finding and booking the gigs and then there's yep. the creating the art. And most people tend to lean toward the, the latter of like, I just want to be a speaker. I want to stand on stage, but there's yeah. so much of it, as you know, like there's the like actual running the business, the sales and marketing side and so much, and it's like so mm -hmm. little of the, of the actual uh, job of being a speaker is actually speaking. You know, it's like a very small percentage of, do you feel like it's going to be different being a speaker and having to do some of the same sort of things in terms of sales and marketing that you didn't enjoy from the, from the agency part? Very different, but you're very right. Um, there is always an aspect of sales and marketing and even financial management for any business, but it, it's different in scope. So for a video agency, when we're working on marketing and advertising projects for giant brands, and it takes us months to even negotiate a deal because there's like multiple lawyers and, and, and because I have to have like really expensive specialized insurance to run productions. And because we're working in, in a given year with hundreds of subcontractors. So now I'm managing all of these people and, and their payments and which makes my accounting more complicated. And then um, projects, uh, these creative projects, they, they linger on for months. So I'm dealing with clients who um, look every speaking, there's pressure when you speak, you go in, you want to nail it. You don't want to let your client down, but let me just tell you when you're working with a startup who just got a bunch of funding and they're looking at you to make a video to help their business even work at all, the yeah. pressure is even more. And don't hear me say that I don't like that pressure. I love that pressure, but I like doing that a few times a year and giving, pouring my whole heart into projects, um, scaling that and all of a sudden becoming the guy that's approving all of the other little me's and their projects that they're doing for clients, not what I want to do. Yeah. So the scope of all that back-end business and marketing is still there, but it's, it's scaled way back. And I actually love that part of it. Um, but I think the amount of it that would re be required for me to succeed as a speaker would still allow me way more time to, to write, to express my own ideas, to work on my talks, to work on a book, all these things. I'll have more time and margin for that. Running the agency was driving me into the ground. Like, I mean, I've got three little kids. I don't have, I can't work more than normal hours. I'm just not willing to. And that's what it takes. Now, here's the thing. I, I also didn't shut the agency down. Um, and the real, uh, the really ironic thing is that ever since I sort of stepped away and I haven't completely stepped away, but let my team know, Hey, um, I'm going to be putting my, in 2022, my marketing energy and my writing energy is going for this new thing. Uh, the video business is showing promise of growing bigger. <laughs> yeah. And, and so there's a whole nother podcast about how you get in the own, your own way of, of scaling a company, right? Um, so letting go forced me to create processes for my team that don't require as much of me to be hands-on. And that's been fantastic. So uh, I'm getting a little bit of the best of the both, both worlds. And plus, hey, the speaking thing may not work. I may have to go back to running the agency.
Yeah, go back to your day job. So yeah. let's go back for a second. Um, yeah. Again, you you've been doing the hosting, the emceeing stuff for several years, and yeah. it sounds like uh, a lot of that has been has, has most of that been in conjunction with Tyler. And again, you kind of alluded to he's coming no um, partner on not some for the last stuff. few years, not okay. for the last few years. And I didn't mean to talk over you. I um, Tyler and I uh, we get invited to to host together, um, but more often than not, I. I have been invited to be more of a solo MC yeah. and now I'm doing uh, more and more keynote speaking yeah. and I, I'm just, I'm, I'm just about to launch more marketing for that. Like you saw my Instagram story where I kind of said, Hey, I'm hosting, this is what I'm doing. And I'm about to do that same thing for the, the keynote stuff. Gotcha. So whenever, again, you've been doing the emceeing, the hosting stuff for a few years now yep. and yep. just kind of doing it on the side. Was there an event that you kind of look back on as like a, a potential turning point of, because again, it's one of the, like, there's nothing wrong with it being something on the side, but at some point, like right. some type of light bulb switch, like, what if I did this more? You know, what if I did this two or three or four times as much as what I'm doing now? What if I, if I wasn't doing this thing and I started doing that thing instead? I don't know if there was a specific event, but there's definitely been a few over the last year because there's only been a few over the last year <laughs> um, where I left going, man, that was easy. Like it wasn't, I wasn't being lazy. I just realized there's something that like even the hard work that I was doing felt easier. Mm -hmm. um, I, Part, one thing that happens has happened many times is that I'll go, you know, I leave town, I go to some other city to, to host an event. And I, I notice how much more singularly focused I am. Like I'm there to do this event. Um, if, to anyone else, um, I'm unavailable. I'm, my, I'm, you know, my vacation responders on, right. Yeah. Whereas at home and I'm in the middle of 10 video projects, uh, it feels like I'm never focused, yeah. but when I went away and it, it, it was, I loved the singularity of focused. I love, and I also loved, I loved, I love meeting new people. I love being in rooms and, and learning about different industries. And um, the last few times I did it and, and really sensed how much more singularly focused this is and how easy the hard work felt that's when I started going, man, why do, why do I not do this? Yeah. Like, why do I not try at this? Like, this is, I'm a dummy. Like this is, this is the best career anyone could ever have. Are you kidding? I just go around and like share my ideas with people and they clap. And then I leave, I get on a plane. I like, I leave and I go home and that's it. And by the way, like I have three young kids, I get to leave for yeah. two or three days. This is amazing. <laughs> my wife, perfectly happy because I bring money home. So what to that end though, like what happened when you're, you, again, you've been doing the agency for a while and then yeah. you're like, okay, I'm going to shift gears and I'm going to yeah. double down on the speaking stuff. What was that conversation with your wife? Like, cause you're kind of going from the known to the unknown at that point. Oh, now you're really peeling back the onion layers because <laughs> uh, that goes like, that's a big question. Um, is, is, uh, is she finding out right now as we talk no, about this? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Hannah, uh, I'm going to be leaving a lot this year. No, the, the, the reason I said that is because a lot of this focus came out of a little bit of crisis in my life. Um, it came out of 
being in a dark place where I couldn't figure out why I had everything I ever wanted, but I didn't feel like I was scratching the itch. Like, I don't know if you've ever felt like you're succeeding at someone else's career, but that's what I felt like at sometimes. Like I'm building this agency and I'm learning all these new marketing things. And like, I don't know, it just didn't feel like it was me. And I was in a dark place and I was stressed and my family felt that. So when I told Hannah, here's what I'm going to do, she lit up and it was like, yeah, I've been waiting on you to figure this out. Like, we all know this is what you do. And then I met with this uh, consultant. Um, She was actually a marketing consultant and she came into town and we were, she was helping us revise our product set and figure out like new ways to offer like content distribution. Who, who cares? No one listening to this cares about that. So let me just stop there. But, but when we mapped out the business on the board, she looked at it and she goes, here's what I don't understand. You've got Trip and Tyler over here. You've got your company. It's called Very, Very Video over here. Like she pointed all the things. She's like, why, why are you not at the middle of this? She's like, I don't understand. You have so much of a foundation built for your personal brand. And I was like, that's right there. Cause I, you said personal brand and I want to throw up in my mouth. Like I'm tired of hearing about people's personal brands. That's icky. Too many people have them. She's like, no, no, but like you really have one. Like you really, you're getting has to speak because you did this and you're, you're building a company because people saw this YouTube video and they want you to make one for them. She's like, why aren't you doubling down on making content that Trip Crosby wants to make and sharing ideas with people that Trip Crosby wants to share? And I was like, I don't know. Am I allowed to do that? Because I've been avoiding that for 10 years. Mm-hmm. I've been trying to hide behind some business venture or whatever. And there's been two reasons. One is I just, you know, I think I I was overreacting to the personal brand thing and some of it was confidence. Um, Most people who follow me online probably think I'm the most confident person out there. But the truth is uh, I'm like anyone else and that the things that I care about doing the most are also the things I'm most afraid of failing at. Mm. And so I've had to accept that, like, I've wanted to write a book for five years. Why haven't I done that? Because if I write one, it could be bad. And also I'm sort of learning that I may have ADHD and it's hard for me to write for more than 20 minutes, but that's another thing. So (laughs) that's what happened. That's why my wife is really excited for me. And that spills over into everything. I mean, when you, when you find your lane, even failing at it feels better than being in the wrong lane. Yeah. And uh, my family feels the impact of that. I'm a happier person. I have more energy. I'm, I get more done. I'm more satisfied in my work day so that I have more attention for my kids. Yeah. And you weren't asking for a, a motivational speech. You were just asking how my wife felt. And I, I tried to warn you, I really like talking. <laughs> You've come to the right place. Hey friends, do you know the five steps to book more gigs and get paid as a speaker? Well, if not, listen up because these same five steps that help me to grow a seven-figure speaking career are all laid out in great detail in my latest book, The Successful Speaker. Five steps for booking gigs, getting paid, and building your platform. Whether you want to speak as a side hustle or your dream is to become a full-time professional speaker, I know what it takes. I share all of that with you in this definitive step-by-step roadmap. 
Let me be your guide. Learn from my mistakes. Get paid what you know you're worth to share your unique message on stage. If you want to read the first chapter for free or just check out the book, go to thespeakerlab.com slash book. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash book. Check out your copy of The Successful Speaker. How much of it do you feel like was just uh, over the past few years have been wrestling with imposter syndrome? Like I would love to be up there. I, the times I've been up there, I feel like I'm good at it. Yeah. But who am I to think I could do this full time? Who am I to think that uh, more than these handful of companies or organizations or groups would hire me on a consistent basis? Like how much of it was that? A lot of it. Um, there, there are two things in my life that are both blessings and curses. One is uh, some of my friends are very successful speakers, like top billing keynote speakers. So you know how it feels when you look at someone, you're like, oh, you know what? Like, I should just accept that's their thing, not my thing. Cause I'm not, I'm never going to be a $50,000 speaker. Right. Um, And so uh, clearly that was just the wrong perspective, but that's, that's it. So that's a blessing and a curse. Cause I, I could just see that as an opportunity to learn from my friends and ask them questions, you know, and yeah. get them to help me. The other thing is because I have done a lot of hosting, I have been at a lot of events and I've seen a lot of speakers and half of them are terrible. And I, so like, the blessing is I've gotten to see a lot and learn a lot from watching people do this. The curse is I'm scared I'm going to be one of those people that just kind of gets away with being a speaker instead of actually helping people. Yeah. And you know that like it's, there are some people who have a gift of being convincing and charismatic, right? And when that gift is used well, it is very powerful and people you, you can help a lot of people, but you can also use it in a sleazy way and like not really be an expert on something and not really have good ideas that are tested. And you can use it to just like weasel your way on stage and then, you know, get everyone excited and then walk off and leave people with, you know, nothing that great. Um, and I'm not saying those people shouldn't be speakers. I'm just saying like, they've only done half the work. And I'm, I was afraid I'd be one of those people. Like, do you still worry you could fall into that trap? Cause you're a guy who's charismatic. You're funny. You're likable. Like you check a lot of boxes where again, the content could be meh, but he was entertaining. And so it's easy to yeah. kind of like get away with it. Oh yeah. I'm so afraid of that. Um, but I have something switched this year and I, I really don't care as much because um, I've, I've put myself out there a few times and it's, it's only affirmed that I can't help people. Um, I mean, I'm not the smartest guy in the room. Uh, and, and there's certainly a lot of people with, with some amazing knowledge that will always suck at communicating it. But I do think that because now I am, I, because I've waited this long and I'm 20 years into my career, I have learned some stuff. And I've had to learn it the hard way and I can speak out of an authentic place. So will my content be life-changing? No, but it will be very authentic. Mm. And uh, 
it will be, it will be entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. I want to shift gears for a second. You, when you, when you think about speaking, there's a lot of different options of what speaking could look like. You know, we've talked about emceeing and hosting and keynotes and workshops yep. and breakouts and seminars and large groups and small groups and everything yep. in between. So for you, you seem to be gravitating towards emceeing, hosting. Um, sounds like you're starting to think about keynotes more mm-hmm. as well. How are you kind of thinking about of all the different options on the menu, which one makes the most sense for you? Uh, and I, specifically as it relates to like emceeing and hosting, like that's something not a ton of speakers do. A lot of events may or may not need or pay mm-hmm. for an MC. Being an MC or host is a lot of work. It's a crap load of work. Mm-hmm. As like, if you're just doing a keynote and maybe show up, you do your, your speech and your, your responsibilities are largely done. Whereas host, hosting, emceeing, you're pretty much on call the entire event, start to finish. Uh, so how are you kind of thinking about what makes the most sense for you personally, fulfillment-wise, but then also from a business perspective? Well, you nailed it, Grant. I mean, hosting is a lot more work. Uh, now, I don't want to undermine the work that goes into preparing an effective keynote. I mean, you, you're helping people do that because it, it's a lot of work and it's an intimidating amount of work. But at least sometimes you get to just do the same thing twice. Sometimes. Yep. A lot of the time. A lot of the time. When I MC, um, I'm actually trying not to do that because what I notice is that, like you said, some most events don't really want to spend money there. Mm-hmm. So they're used to either bringing in someone internally yep. to MC the event and that feels like a good idea because it's, it's free. Okay. But here's the problem without fail. uh, You've asked your CMO to MC your yearly sales event. Well, guess what? When the event rolls around, guess what your CMO is there to do? Network, enjoy the resort. Um, He's not like, he's got a million other responsibilities. He's in meetings. Um, he's not going to give the role the attention it deserves. So then the other option is, well, let's get a local radio personality or like, let's spend a lot of money and bring in a big name person, right? Let's bring in um, Jimmy Fallon or something, you know, whatever. Well, that's great. That's going to sell tickets and there will be some funny moments, but guess how many pre-event calls you're going to get with that person? Yeah. Zero. So my selling point is, look, I've worked with many events as a consultant on programming teams. I know events. I understand events. Um, I do know how to engage your audience. I do know how to make it fun for people. But where I'm really going to invest my time is being an expert on your event and your theme and your audience, because I realize you're trusting me to, in some sense, be the face of your event. Yeah. Like, a speaker can come in and bomb, but if you have 10 speakers, it's fine. If your host bombs, your event bombs. So it's a lot of work. And I like the work and I like hosting, but there's a reason I also want to speak and, and do speeches and workshops because it's a little bit more efficient. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and as an MC, I don't really get to share my thoughts very much. Right. What, um, again, since we, we don't talk a ton on the show about emceeing, but it is absolutely a viable option for speakers. Yeah. So we talked about kind of the, the downsides. It's just, it's a, it's a lot of work. Uh, fewer events actually have budgets uh, allotted towards something like that. Um, what are the upsides of it? Like what are, what are the, the pros that you're just like, 
yeah, it's a lot of work, but it's really, really rewarding or fulfilling in, you know, these ways. The most rewarding part of being an MC is, is seeing an audience feel, how do I say this? You, you can't see people feel things when it works and you can tell that an audience is more connected to the whole thing. Yeah. It's very rewarding. Um, and it doesn't, and it's not a, even about me, you know, when you give a keynote and people clap and come up like that was so helpful, that's great. And you feel good about your thing. But when, when people like you as a host, it's because you helped an event win at their thing. Mm-hmm. And there's a deep level of satisfaction there. I feel like I'm really using what I have to help someone else win. Yeah. And I like that. Yeah. How are you thinking about balancing the interest, the experience with emceeing and hosting to, I also wouldn't mind doing some keynotes and I'm doing a few more of those. And uh, it's also, a, it's, you know, a similar mm-hmm. but different skill set and, and different offering. I mean, the, the truth is I'm going to try and book as many of either as I can. And whoever asks for one first, will get that time slot. <laughs> I mean, I truly love both. Yeah, I truly do. How are you thinking about the, hopefully at this point, you know, we're, we're about two years into the pandemic. Hopefully we are past the majority of hopefully. it, but uh, there's also still a lot of events that are existing in a virtual environment Are hosting mm-hmm. and seeing opportunities available in a virtual environment. What's your experience been like with that? Uh, and even just virtual speaking in general, how are you thinking about that versus uh, in-person events? Well, virtual speaking is way easier than virtual hosting. Uh, I prefer virtually to speak because I mean, what, what can a host do on a Zoom, right? Like I can't really feed off the energy of the audience. Like the, the, I'll tell you the times that it's been worked really well is when a company has hired me to pre-record my hosting segments mm. where I will record eight or nine transitional segments that they can play in between their other content. That works really well. And I can do that live, but I can just make it look better and sound better pre-recorded and I've done some interviews via zoom and that's fine. But I, I, the thing that I like about hosting is, is the thing that I mostly get out of being in a live room. It's hard to replicate. It's hard to duplicate. Yeah, it really is. And I, I feel like if I'm speaking and, and really my job is just to talk for 30 straight minutes, I can do that yeah. in this format. Yeah. Uh, I want to go back to something we alluded to where this whole conversation kind of came on my radar again, was an Instagram post that you made, yeah. you know, maybe a month or so ago, yeah. just saying like, Hey, I'm, if you, if you're looking for someone um, doing this more and again, kind of planting your flag on it, I was curious, like what, what kind of response did you get to that? It was really encouraging, man. You know, like I'm not going to get gigs right away because these events are planned months in advance, if not a year, even though I did get some and I got some, I've had some great phone calls with new agents that I didn't know were out there for different bureaus. But the real encouraging thing was how my followers responded and uh, people like you saying, Hey, like, this is cool. Like we need to talk about this. I've got a couple of podcast invitations and just a lot of encouragement um, from people that I I now realize don't really know what I'm all about. I mean, I'm pretty vague online. I'm like, in one minute I'm on set and I'm like, look at this funny video we're making. And the next minute I'm in a suit on the stage. Like I'm about to talk to the cloud data, blah, blah, blah. And somewhere Ohio. And it's like, what is this guy doing? And then it's like, I go a month or two and I only post about my kids and I'm, 
I'm realizing that I'm pretty naturally bad at social media. And sometimes you just need to tell people what you're all about. And going through this exercise helped me really hone in on that and find like what the common thread is between all of it. Yeah. I think that's really the the reason I ask is uh, when it's something we tell speakers all the time that when you first start speaking, one of the things you you have to do is you have to let people know that you're a speaker. Otherwise people would never think of you as that. So my guess is again, there's a bunch of people that reached out to you. They're like, I didn't even know this is something that you did. And to you, it's like, well, how did you not know? Like I've, I've talked about it before, right? Unless until you like plant the flag and say, no, no, like, this is what I, this is what I do. They don't see you in that light. And so you, you know, just by posting about something on social, uh, you immediately get people that are reaching out, you book gigs out of it. You start conversations that again, all of a sudden you become to the forefront of people's mind that wouldn't have thought of you before we should have trip for our fall event or for next year. And I didn't even know he was on the menu previously, you know, so you, people won't make that connection unless you give them the opportunity to make that connection. And one of the things that I learned while I was deep diving into my educational marketing is just how many times you have to remind people of who you are and how you can help them before they actually engage. I, I think I read somewhere that it was like, like typically people will engage with you after your 43rd email or something wow. like that. And we're all like, oh, I don't want to bug people with my emails. Well, Okay. So then you don't want business because that's what it takes. Yeah. And so uh, I do think it's important to remind people that you're a speaker yeah, or whatever and, it is you do. Well, and like you touched on, like events are typically booked months and months in advance. The bigger the yep. event, the further out they're going to book a speaker. And it's usually like they are, it's not like you, you know, you just talk to one person and they make a buying decision right then. Well, a lot of time it's a process of mm-hmm. a couple of weeks or a couple of months. There's a committee, there's a board, there's a group of people. They're all looking at speakers. They're all reviewing speakers. Uh, and so it's, it's, it takes a minute. Um, but again, if they don't, if they don't know that you're a speaker, they're not going to discuss you as an option. And so mm-hmm. you have to continually remind people and even just kind of reverse engineer and figuring out, okay, if the event is happening in October, at what point are they starting to consider speakers? At what point are they yeah. actually talking about speakers? At what point are they making a decision about a speaker and mm-hmm. how do we get in front of them at the right point? So it's not like you're reaching out to someone like, ah, oh, crap, we booked our speaker last week, you know, like, well, dang, I, I got to wait a whole another year or so. But, uh, so much of what you've done, I think is, is really really laid the foundation and planted the seeds of just building relationships over years and years and years. And mm. now able to say, Hey, here's something I can do to help with these various relationships that I've built over time. I, I want to ask you this to kind of wrap up here again. You you've dabbled with speaking for a while. You decide to, to, to go all in. There's a lot of people listening in the same spot. And mm-hmm. so what would you say to the trip of six months, a year, a couple of years ago, who may be listening going like, I think I can do this. I would like yeah. to do this. And for whatever reason, there's something that's holding me back. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've, you are uh, crossing that chasm, taking steps forward. Mm-hmm. What, what would you say that that person that's in the, the spot that you were in uh, recently? The first thing I would say is probably not the thing that they would want to hear. The first thing I would say is speaking is one of those career paths that way more people will want to do than should, right? Uh, A lot of people wanna grow up and be pro athletes. A lot of people wanna grow up and be uh, movie actors. A lot of people wanna be touring recording artists, right? Like there's a lot of, and speaking is somewhere on that scale, not, not as far up as like a NFL quarterback, but 
it's just one of those things that way more people will want to do than they can because yeah. it's something that gives you notoriety and attention and who wouldn't want to do that, right? So the first question that I think someone should ask themselves is why? Why do you want to do this? Um, and are you sure this is what you want to do? You know, uh, a friend of mine uh, said the other day that he he had just spoken somewhere and someone came up to him like, man, like, I want to do, I want to do this too so bad, but like, how in the world do you, like, I can't imagine going on stage and not being scared out of my mind. And he was like, so maybe you shouldn't do this because <laughs> like, I don't, I don't feel that way. Right. Not to say that people starting out aren't nervous and I'm still nervous at times, but I'm just saying, I would say, ask yourself why you want to do it. Because the reason I landed here is because uh, I'm realizing this is what I should do. Hmm. Like I'm realizing I am set up to do this and I may not be the best in the world at it and I may fail trying, but it is something that I should at least fail at Yeah, because it, all of my experiences add up to this. And I, I can, I know I'm in a place in my life now where my ego is smaller than it's ever been. It's still there. Let me tell you, but I just don't, you know, I don't, I don't need to do this for validation. I know I don't, I don't need, I, I'm very comfortable with who I am. I'm very comfortable with what I've already accomplished and I don't need validation. So I can honestly say that's not what this is. And, and a lot of people are looking to be speakers for that. Yeah. And there are much better ways to find meaning and significance in what you choose to do much better ways than to, to try and be someone you're not. So that's probably not the answer you were looking for, but that's what I would say. It's good, man. Trip. Thanks for the time, man. We appreciate it. If people want to find out more about you, uh, yeah. where, where can we go online? Um, I'm pretty easy to find. My website is tripcrosby.com and all of my social handles are trip Crosby. The only challenge is you got to remember there's two P's in trip. You can remember that you can find me. I'm mostly on Instagram and trying to get into TikTok, but it's, it's hard. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll watch you from the sidelines, see how that plays yeah. out. All right. Thanks for the time, man. We appreciate it. Thanks, Grant. All right. There you have it. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Speaker Lab podcast. Now, I want you to know that we do this podcast simply because we want to serve and support speakers like you. We don't charge anything for you to listen, but in return, we do have one small favor to ask. Would you be willing to subscribe to the podcast where you're listening right now? Hit that subscribe button. Also, leave us a rating and review within iTunes or Spotify, wherever you listen to these podcasts. We read every single one of them, and they also help other people to find the show. Also, if you are looking to take the next step in growing your speaking business, be sure and check out thespeakerlab.com. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com. we got a ton of free resources and tools there, and you can also learn more about the programs that we offer, which include one-on-one -on -one coaching. Our mission here is to help you find the confidence, clarity, and clear path that you need to own your speaking success. So again, check us out over at thespeakerlab.com. As always, we appreciate you hanging out with us and we'll catch you next time. You're awesome.